And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's start with Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Joshua P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more on this edition of the show. Here's what I know about the Philadelphia Experiment. If you were to travel right now, I mean right now, poof, This instant, from here, the year 2022, into the past. Okay, you're traveling from the future into the past. Maybe you walk through a portal, you're in a time machine, whatever. How would you prove that you were from the future? You're talking to everybody at whatever point you end up at, and you say, yes, I'm from the future. They say, prove it. How would you do that? What would you say? Well, here in Las Vegas, I recently went to the big fancy Wynn Casino and finally got to see in person one of my favorite stand-up comedians, Nate Bargatze, who is actually from Tennessee, and I'm from North Carolina, so we're neighbors. But Lauren and I had a, a wonderful time at the show, and one of my favorite bits by Nate Bargatze is from his Comedy Central special called Full Time Magic, where he basically poses the question, if I traveled back in time, how would I prove I was from the future? Well, listen to this little excerpt. I think of it like uh, like time traveling. Like if I could go back in time, like if I could go back in time tonight and go back to like the 20s, knowing everything I know right now, I don't think I would make a difference. <laughs> I don't think you guys would even hear about it. I don't think you would. I just don't, like, because I don't have anything to get, you know. Like, I would go back, and I would see, like, some guy on an old phone, and I'd be like, hey, eventually they have phones you, like, carry in your pocket. And they're like, yes, like, how do they do it? I'm like, I mean, I don't know how they do it. Um, I think it's a satellite, I think, a satellite. They're like, what's a satellite? Oh, I should have even said that. Uh... It's like metal. Metal's got to go pretty high in the air. 
I don't know if you guys are doing it. I don't even know if I could prove I'm from the future. I don't even think I could. I think I would just get stuck. Because they would want something. Like, who's the next president? Oh, boy. Uh, oof. Abraham Lincoln. You guys are going to love him. He's really good. They just think I'm from the past. That's what they would like. It would just look like, they don't have to get a regular job. I would just have to, like, wait tables or something in the 20s. I would go back in time and do worse than I'm doing right now. I'm telling you, you've got to look up Nate Bargatze on Netflix. His last name is spelled B-A-R-G-A-T-Z-E. I think one of his shows is called The Tennessee Kid. He is hilarious. NateBargatze.com. And he makes a great point, doesn't he? I've wondered about this same exact thing, and maybe you have too. But you know what's even more perplexing? If you were from the future, traveling into the past, realistically, you could probably do or explain or predict things that could demonstrate that you're from the future. I think you'd figure something out. I hope we could do that. You might be surprised. Things that you don't even realize you know. (laughs) But what's really perplexing is trying to figure out how you could prove that you had time traveled and you were from the past. Now, let that sink in for a moment. How do you prove that you are from the past? Because anything you say could potentially be the product of something you had looked up in some archive, right? And, I mean, if anybody had the ability to go back and look that up to verify it, well... That means you could have done the same thing to get that information. How do you prove you are from the past? Now, I'm going to, I'm, this is such a deep question that I'm going to pause for just a moment and really let you think about that for a while. How would you prove that you are from the past? Okay. I'll give you a few seconds. Think about it. That was the question posed by a kind of cheesy movie that came out in 1984 called The Philadelphia Experiment. A couple of Navy men are part of a space-time warping experiment on a ship, and they end up being teleported from 1943 to 1984. And they have to explain, of course, that they're not crazy, that they're actually from the past. And at the same time, they're running from government agents, etc. It's actually been a long time since I've seen it. But uh, that movie was based on a very strange legend that some believe is true, either in part or altogether and whole. And many people say it's all hogwash. And then, you know, again, we have those who say, well, this is partially true. Well, look, guess what? I, yours truly, Joshua P. Warren, actually have some personal insight on this from a man on the inside that I am going to share with you on this show right now. And by the way, that question that I ask about how to prove that you're from the future, I have asked that question of many, many people over the years, and nobody had a good answer. But one day, I finally asked that question to a young lady, and she gave me the best answer I've heard. I still don't know if it's a good answer or not, 
but it's the best answer I've heard. And so I'm going to tell you what it is. But first, okay, let's start from scratch here. What the heck is the story behind the Philadelphia experiment, according to modern legend. Well, let me do my best to explain here. First off, let's keep this simple. Let me go to Wikipedia and tell you what, what it says right at the top here. Wikipedia says the Philadelphia experiment is a conspiracy theory about a military experiment supposed to have been carried out by the U.S. Navy at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, United States, sometime around October 28th of 1943. A U.S. Navy ship, a destroyer escort called the USS Eldridge, was claimed to have been rendered invisible or cloaked to enemy devices. Okay, so that's that's the gist of it. But from there, when you actually start looking at what is supposed to be the true story, it gets really weird and disturbing and complex. So let me start telling you sort of the origins and we'll get into the story. And I'm going to have to take a break here in a minute, but let, let me get us started here. Okay. So in 1955, a scientist named Morris K. Jessup. Remember that name, Jessup. He published this popular book. It was called The Case for the UFO, Unidentified Flying Objects. Now, one day in 1955, a man named Carl M. Allen, who was an ex-merchant marine, he mailed a copy of this book to the U.S. Office of Naval Research. Okay, so Jessup wrote the book. Allen, this guy who was an ex-merchant marine, mails a copy of this to the Office of Naval Research, and the book was filled with all these handwritten notes in the margins, as well as additional notes on paper. And the notes commented on some of the authors, Jessup's ideas about the propulsion for flying saucers, and it discusses alien races. And this guy, Carl Allen, is expressing concern that Jessup is getting too close to discovering this technology and needs to back off, right? So now shortly thereafter, in January of 1956, Carl M. Allen, this ex-merchant mariner, he starts sending a series of letters directly to the author of the book, Morris K. Jessup. The first known letter warned Jessup not to investigate the levitation of unidentified flying objects. And then Allen put forth a cautionary tale, a story of dangerous science based on unpublished theories by Albert Einstein about warping space and time. And he further claimed that a scientist named Franklin Reno had put these theories into practice at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard there in October of 1943. And Allen said that he was a witness to this experiment while he was serving aboard a ship called the SS Andrew Furseth. Okay, when we come back from this break, I'm going to tell you what Alan claimed to have witnessed. And what do you think happened to the author, Jessup, once he started digging really deep into this? I bet you can guess there is so much more to this story. We're going to get to the bottom of it best we can. 
When we come back from the break, I'll continue. Let me just tell you, however, if you're one of those people who, you know, you, you, you listen to this stuff and you know that I have devoted my life to studying matter and energy and the relationship between the mind and the body, and you say, this all interests me. I believe in manifestation. I believe in things that I can use to experiment with that might make my life better, but I don't know how to get started. I don't know what to do. Maybe you don't even have any money to get any experimental devices and play around. That's okay. You don't need any. You can get a start for free. Go to joshuapwarren.com and put your email address into my free e-newsletter bank there, and you will instantly receive an automated email from me that has links to some free information, some free interactive gifts that will get you started on your journey. Do it right now. Don't miss out on some cool stuff coming up. JoshuaPWarren.com I am Joshua P. Warren, and you're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back. Keep it here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. The Wizard of Weird will be right back. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. Please make sure and check out my show, Shades of the Afterlife, heard right here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic 
treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Every eight minutes, the American Red Cross brings help and hope to people in need. Thanks to the support of everyday heroes like you, the Red Cross is able to respond to disasters big and small, support military families, help ensure that blood is available when needed, and teach life-saving skills like CPR and first aid. Be a hero. Donate today. Visit redcross.org or call 1-800-RED-CROSS. to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. And I'm talking about the story from this man, Carl M. Allen, and I keep saying, you know, he he was an ex-merchant mariner. And in case you're not sure what that means, the merchant marine here in the United States, it, it primarily transports cargo and passengers during peacetime. But in times of war, the merchant marine can be an auxiliary to the United States Navy and can be called upon to deliver military personnel uh, and material for the military. Uh, merchant Marine officers may also be commissioned as military officers by the Department of Defense. So they serve a very interesting dual role there between peacetime and wartime. And so they know a lot. They know a little bit about everything that's going on when it comes to the coastlines. And so Alan here said that he was serving aboard this ship called the SS Andrew Furaseth. And in his account, okay, here's what he said. A Navy ship, this destroyer escort, the USS Eldridge, uh, it was successfully made invisible. So here was the idea to, to try to use Tesla coils and, and other types of equipment to sort of shake up and resonate 
reality and sort of bend space time, which is a plausible theory, really, and see if they could sort of bend light around that ship so that the ship would become invisible to the naked eye. That was the intention. And he said that the ship was made invisible, but then something else happened. Apparently, this effect was too powerful, and the ship inexplicably then teleported to a whole different place, Norfolk, Virginia, and it was there for several minutes, and then it reappeared in the Philadelphia yard. And when it reappeared, it was almost like this thing had had melted and then reformed, and, oh my goodness, they say the ship's crew was supposed to have suffered all kinds of terrible side effects. Um, well, many of them were insane. Uh, some were literally frozen in place. And uh, so Jessup and Alan, they started corresponding more and more about this. And Jessup actually went to the Navy and told the Navy about this correspondence. And members of the, the Navy became, shall we say, very interested in just how much information that this guy, Alan, was telling this author, Jessup, right? Well, Jessup tried to publish more books on the subject of UFOs, but it was unsuccessful. Uh, they say he lost his publisher and experienced a series of downturns in his personal life that led him to supposedly take his own life in Florida, April 30th of 1959. Bet you saw that coming, didn't you? Oh, he killed himself like so many other people who end up in his position. Now, a lot of this was published in a book in 1979 called The Philadelphia Experiment Project Invisibility by Bill Moore and Charles Berlitz. And the full story is much more uh, horrific. Okay. So according to all these different accounts, but I just told you the Allen thing is sort of how this first was introduced to, to mainstream researchers. So here's the, here's the overall legend by combining. Okay. Here's the story, the legend, according to anecdotes and sketchy reports and, you know, top secret stuff. And, and I, I'm going to tell you in a minute how much of this may be true. Okay. The experiment, once again, now it was allegedly based on an aspect of some unified field theory, a term coined by Albert Einstein to describe a class of potential theories. Now, these are theories that would aim to describe mathematically and physically the interrelated nature of the forces of electromagnetism and gravity. So in other words, trying to combine all that into a single field and using technology that might be able to manipulate these fields in some way. Now, according to some accounts, some unspecified, quote, researchers thought that some version of this field would be uh, would enable using large electrical generators and stuff similar to Tesla coils to bend the light around the ship, around an object through refraction so that it would at least become completely invisible to the naked eye, but perhaps even radar. And you can see why the Navy regarded this uh, as of great military value and, and they sponsored the experiment. Now, 
even though, again, there are no reliable accounts, here is what supposedly happened. Okay, The ship, the USS Eldridge, was fitted with all of this resonant equipment at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. The testing began in the summer of 1943, and it was supposedly successful to a limited extent. One test resulted in the Eldridge being rendered nearly invisible, with some witnesses reporting a greenish fog appearing in its place, which actually makes sense to me because sometimes when you start ionizing the air, you get bluish and greenish fogs, and that is often reported in the Bermuda Triangle right around the time of some energy convergence where ships start disappearing. You've probably heard of the green fog before. So anyway... People who were there, crew members especially, complained of severe nausea afterward. And also, reportedly, when the ship reappeared, some sailors were embedded in the metal structures of the ship. Remember what I said about visioning something like the guys in the ship kind of melt and then they solidify? It's as if they were in a non-physical state. And the ship was in a non-physical state, but when it all snapped back into physical state... Sometimes the bodies of the men happened to overlap the body of the ship and they became molecularly fused. So this includes one sailor who ended up on a deck level below that where he began and had his hand embedded in the steel hull of the ship. They say many sailors went, quote, completely bananas. Uh, There is also a claim that the experiment was altered after that point at the request of the Navy, limiting it to just trying to create stealth technology that would just make the Eldridge invisible to radar. So despite the terrible result, it was so amazing, so promising, they recalibrated the equipment, and the experiment was repeated on October 28th of 1943. And this time, the Eldridge not only became invisible, But it disappeared from the area in a flash of blue light. That is when it supposedly teleported to Norfolk, Virginia. That's over 200 miles away. And it's claimed the Eldridge sat for some time in view of the men aboard the SS Andrew Furaseth, which is what uh, Alan said he was on, uh, whereupon the Eldridge then vanished and reappeared in Philadelphia at the site where it had originally uh, occupied, okay? And it was also said that the warship, listen to this, it's also said the warship went approximately 10 minutes back in time. Now, many versions of this story include descriptions of various serious, horrible side effects for the crew, uh, some Crew members were said to have been physically fused to to the bulkheads, which are just upright metal walls inside the ship, while others suffered from uh, extreme mental disorders. Some guys, according to some of these accounts, rematerialized inside out. Let me repeat that. They claim that some of these men rematerialized with their bodies turned inside out and others just vanished. Where did they go? Were they lost somewhere in time?
And it's also claimed that the ship's crew may have been subjected to brainwashing to sort of maintain the secrecy of the experiment. And that is the overall legend. So now that you know the story, you know how it began and you know the story. Is it true? Right. That's the big question. Is it true? Well, before I get into what I know, uh, let me just I, I, I need to bring this up because a lot of you probably know about this. There was a man in who was making sort of the, the rounds on the speaking circuit in the U.S. in the 1990s who claimed that he was one of those sailors uh, on the Eldridge who ended up being teleported through time on a number of occasions. Uh, his name was Al Bielik and he died in, well, supposedly there, <laughs> when you, when it comes to time travel stuff, supposedly he died on October 10th of 2011 when he was 84 years old. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to tell you what Al Bielik was claiming happened I, you know, my friend Mark Ellis Bennett actually got to meet Al Billick in person, and he said he was impressed. So I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you what Al Billick was saying, but then furthermore, I'm going to tell you about the inside knowledge that I got on this from one of the most intelligent and trusted people that I've ever met in my life. And then we're going to get around to that question of how would you prove if you were from the past? I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be back after these important messages. Hang in there. Josh is coming right back on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Thanks for listening. Keep it here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Hey, folks, we need your music. Hey, it's producer Tom at Coast to Coast AM, and every first Sunday of the month, we play music from emerging artists just like you. If you're a musician or a singer and have recorded music you'd like to submit, it's very easy. Just go to coasttocoastam.com, click the Emerging Artist banner in the carousel, follow the instructions, and we just might play your music on the air. Go now to coasttocoastam.com to send us your recording. That's coasttocoastam.com. Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. And you know when something vibrates fast enough, it starts to look invisible? Translucent, like fan blades that are spinning fast enough? You can see why that if you vibrate something, if you resonate something at a high at a high rate, um, you can achieve that invisibility. But what if you go too far? What if it's not just the light that you're you're rattling around and shaking up? What if it's sort of like you have a sand castle sitting in front of you, and all the little pieces of sand, all the little grains are in place, and you start shaking that, well, then they start breaking down. And maybe that's what happens when you start using these high-power devices similar to Tesla coils, and you start amplifying this resonance, this frequency, more and more and more. You're not only affecting the light, but suddenly you start shaking the whole darn molecular structure up apart and maybe up and apart. And maybe it becomes so loose and slippery, it can even slide back and forth through time and space. 
we don't know how all that works at this point as civilians, as civilians, but maybe the military does. They have the best budgets, right? There is some legitimacy behind this concept. So, look, I don't know if Al Billick was legit or not. I just want to give you a little bit of information about him, though. I have not been able to find uh, a video of him being interviewed, which is pretty weird. But uh, there is this great website here called DestinationTips.com. And I'm just going to read you some of what they've written here. Uh, Justin Andrus, according to popular legend in 1943, the U.S. Navy undertook secret experiments. And then he goes on to say, in 1990, Bielik claimed that he spent time in two separate periods of the future, only to return to the present and tell his story. And that was just the beginning of the fantastic revelations of this totally, completely, absolutely 100% (laughs) he's being sarcastic. He says, not fake time traveler. Okay. So anyway, so Bielik wasn't actually saying that he was from the past necessarily like the characters in the movie. He was saying that he, uh, he actually spent time in the future says he was born a peculiar child, uh, by his own words in 1927. And, uh, as a young man, he joined the Navy to fight the Nazis said he was a lowly naval officer serving aboard the Eldridge in 1943. And years later, uh, he, you know, he started becoming famous because he said that he and his brother, who was also on the ship, uh, they were subject to some odd happenings on the ship, but they jumped to safety and they landed in the year 2137. And at this futuristic hospital, he was treated with, uh, treated for radiation injuries. And he said that, um, what is this? Entertainment in the hospital was solely educational and news programming. Okay. So this is what he's saying 2137 is like. He said that when he got there, he discovered that geographical ships had transformed the globe. The coastlines of every continent had changed dramatically. Florida had disappeared except for the panhandle. The Great Lakes were just one great lake. Atlanta was three miles from the Atlantic Ocean. He said the U.S. infrastructure had been destroyed. The central government was a total thing of the past. Both Canada and the U.S. were gone, ruled over with a kind of locally enforced martial law. He said that uh, the world population had diminished that uh, that's the U- the U.S. and Europe had banded together to fight off China and Russia, and this war killed billions of people and essentially ruined the world's governments. This is all delightful reading, isn't it? From there, he was sent even further forward to the year 2749, where he stayed for two years before being transported back to 2137, and he said that in that day and age government of any kind is non-existent everything was run by ai called the synthetic intelligence computer system and that worked telepathically um so this goes on and on and on uh with some of the strange claims that he made and you know it's it's funny because when you know you could say i've been to the future but if you've been so far into the future well then it also becomes impossible to prove that you 
have spent time in the future, right? Because <laughs> there's a sweet spot there where you might be able to come from the future back in time and tell people who's good. Here's who's going to win the baseball game on Monday or whatever. You know, that there's a, there's a possibility of doing that. Uh, but when you're talking about trying to prove you're from the past or that you have been way, way into the future, it's hard to pin somebody down. So I'm not sure what to think about Al Billick. But uh, once again, he died October 10th, 2011 in Guadalajara, Mexico, supposedly 84. He was buried at a local cemetery there. And even though his birth certificate is dated March 31st of 1927, he was mixed up in so much strange time travel stuff. There is debate as to whether or not even that date is legitimate. Okay. So now what, what do I have to add to this story? All right. So you have heard me talk, I'm sure many times on this program about one of the great mentors of mine. He was a NASA Hall of Fame engineer named Charles A. Yost. And I was an apprentice to him, a lab assistant for many years in his laboratory in Western North Carolina. And uh, he had such a vast history. I mean, he was one of the spacecraft designers during the Apollo missions, including the one that put men on the moon. And he was the real deal. Uh, he was a very strict engineer. And it's interesting that I bring him up right now because I recently referenced him. I wrote an audio book a few years ago called The Oblivious Gods. And I think everybody would enjoy this. It's short. It's only 30 minutes long. And my friend John Carter made a video version of The Oblivious Gods, which if you go to YouTube and you just type in The Oblivious Gods and Joshua P. Warren, you can watch this. And I hope that you'll do that uh, all free there on YouTube. And I start the video or I start the presentation out by giving a nod to Charles A. Yost, and I, I give a quote from him, and there's a picture of him there. So anyway, when I was working in the laboratory with Charles Yost, I, of course, asked him about the Philadelphia experiment, and he said, well, it just so happens that I was on a team of scientists that the U.S. Navy put together to investigate the legitimacy of the Philadelphia experiment. I said, what? He says, yeah. He says, there, yeah, there were seven of us and we were brought in to do an independent review of everything about that case. And we looked through all of the information and we looked through all the accounts and all. And basically, he said, we concluded that it never happened. So I said, do you mean it didn't happen at all? He goes, well, they were doing experiments, but it just didn't happen. We found no evidence that it happened the way they said it happened. So I was disappointed to hear that. But on the other hand, I felt refreshed that I trusted this guy and he had, you know, he had learned some truth. I believed him. Now, he was also a guy who would correct himself later in life when he, you know, he once told me he didn't think the Brown Mountain Lights were worth studying. And then it turns out after I got some good data, he ended up putting my research on the cover of a science journal. So, you know, it's not like he, he was not a, um, 
a believer in things. He was a skeptical scientist. But that's what he said, that he didn't find any any evidence. And I thought, well, well, how do we explain this then? Well, you know what? Turns out there's a very interesting alternative explanation for what might have happened that gave rise to this particular legend. And it comes to us from Jacques Vallée. And uh, Jacques Vallée, I'm sure you know his name. I mean, he's he he was born September of 1939. He is an Internet pioneer, a computer scientist, a venture capitalist author, astronomer, and ufologist. Okay. And I believe that uh, in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind by Spielberg, that they base the French scientist on Jacques Vallée. I believe that's the case. But anyway, he's a very, very respected man. And as a matter of fact, he and I have been uh, corresponding recently. So I might even be able to uh, have him on this show at some point. But he has a really interesting explanation for what might have happened here. And when we come back from this break, gosh, I can't believe the show has flown by. I'm going to tell you what his explanation is. And then I'm going to tell you also how it's maybe it's possible to prove that you're from the past. All I can tell you is in 2015, I was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I was doing a book signing for my book called Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction. And at one point I said, I want to make it a point to, to drive over the bridges over the Philadelphia shipyard there so I could look down and imagine that something happened down there. Um, I don't know if it happened exactly the way that the legend goes, but I felt, I just felt it was a meaningful, it was cool for me to look down on that water and and imagine the Philadelphia experiment. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I will be right back. Hang on, Josh will be right back. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I'm George Norrie. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. My name is Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com. Over five years ago, George Norrie approached me with a unique concept, a dating site for people searching for someone with interests in UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal. From that, ParanormalDate.com was born. It's a unique site for unique people, and it's free to join to look around. If you want to upgrade and enjoy more of our great features, use promo code GEORGE for a great discount. So check it out. You got nothing to lose. ParanormalDate.com. Welcome back to the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren. And last year, I produced my last conference ever. I did it right here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm just too busy. I have retired from producing conferences. But the good news is... My buddy filmmaker C. Eric Scott videotaped my program, Finding Your Magic 2. And if you want to watch it, well, here's how you can go watch the Finding Your Magic movie. Go to youwillmanifest.com, youwillmanifest.com, and you can watch it there right now. And uh, gosh, we had such a great time, <laughs> as, you'll, as you'll see. All right. Back to the Philadelphia experience. Here is what Jacques Vallée said. He said that there was another ship there 
that was docked alongside the Eldridge in 1943, and this was called the USS Engstrom, E-N-G-S-T-R-O-M. And he said that uh, the, on, there was a procedure that they did, an experiment they did there, and on that ship, the operation involved a generation of powerful electromagnetic fields on board the ship in order to degauss it. Now, when you degauss something, you're making it less detectable magnetically. And so you would use, you can definitely use electromagnetism for that. And he said the goal of rendering the ship was to make it, uh, was to render the ship undetectable or invisible, if you will, to magnetically fused undersea mines and torpedoes. So apparently they would have mines and torpedoes back in those days. And they would have a switch or a fuse or whatever that would only activate when a ship went overboard or, or, or went, uh, went above, when a ship would float over top. And then, you know, it would activate this thing. And so if you could degauss the ship, it wouldn't trigger those mines. And it goes on to say here, uh, British ships of the era often included such degaussing systems built into upper decks. Degaussing is still used today. However, it has no effect on visible light or radar. And Valet speculates that some of the accounts about them doing this stuff with the Ingstrom and degaussing it and using all these weird uh, pieces of equipment may have turned in, you know, uh, through confabulation to, you know, through subsequent retellings. This kind of got morphed into the story of the Philadelphia experiment. This much more nefarious sounding thing. And Valet cites a, a veteran who served on board the Engstrom who suggests that it might have actually traveled in a test run from Philadelphia to Norfolk and back again in a single day at a time when merchant ships could not. Uh, that was at a time that it was when it was only open to naval vessels and the use of that channel was kept quiet and German submarines had been, you know, threatening the East Coast and basically that there was this sort of secret experiment where this ship was traveling back and forth between Philadelphia and Virginia there to see if it could do so in, in invisibly, so to speak, when it comes to, you know, not triggering these, these types of mines. And the same veteran, uh, said that, uh, there was some kind of witness there who disappeared at a bar because there was a bar fight that broke out. Uh, after the experiment was over or something like that and some guy was running his mouth about it and that uh some of his buddies covered for him by claiming that he had disappeared so imagine like some sailors are part of this experiment and then uh <laughs> he goes out running his mouth at the bar and then they say oh he disappeared you know spooky government stuff you know what it's it's an interesting theory it may be, I mean, I can understand if that's true, how that some of those facts through retelling, this is like how urban legends and urban myths evolve, could have become more and more extreme and turned into what we now know as the Philadelphia experiment. I think that certainly something along the lines of the Philadelphia experiment has happened. But when it comes to this particular case, 
As you can see, we're kind of in a hall of mirrors here. I don't think it happened the way that we have heard, but they were experimenting with something there and it created that bizarro effect. So I don't know that I resolved anything for you, but I'm also, you know, I just have to go with what I've heard and that's a pretty good explanation. Now let's get back to this question here. How would you prove that you were from the past? It's a good one. I asked that question to, like, like I say, many people over the years. And the only person who ever gave me an answer that I thought might actually work was when I was talking with Tad McDivitt and his wife, Simone. Now, Tad McDivitt has been on this show. He is the chief occult researcher for my haunted Asheville tour business, and he has been my top tour guide longer than anybody else for years and years and years. He's a master storyteller. And one day I was sitting down with him and Simone and I was, we, we got off onto this topic, you know, and I said, how would you prove that you were from the past? And Simone says, well, she had read that in 1945, once we really started exploding, not only the atomic bombs, but doing all kinds of atomic testing that it was so extensive that people who were born after 1945 have uh, a more general, uh, ha have a generally higher level of radioactive particles in their system than those who were born before 1945. And that in this particular case, you might be able to determine if somebody was born before 1945 um, by by judging the amount of radioactivity in that person's body. Now, look, I have I have not spent a lot of time. I've only cur done a cursory search of this, so I'm not sure if if that's possible or not. But she brings up a very good point. Are even if that is not something that is necessarily measurable. And again, I don't know if it is. You let me know. You, you can contact me and tell me if there's a source for that. But are there other sort of chemical elements of proof that may or may not illustrate? Um, if you can tell if a certain, if a person was born before a certain time like that, I don't know, but I thought that was pretty smart. So thank you for that, Simone. And, uh, now. I hand the mystery over to you, my dear audience. So let me squeeze in a, uh, a quick email here from a listener. This comes from a Miss Diaz in Colorado. She says, just a note to let you know, I received my miraculous prayer board the other day, and I am thrilled with it. And this has nothing to do, and now she's talking about something she got from my curiosity shop. She says, this has nothing to do with any prayers being answered. I just love the feel of it, the subtle electrical resonance of it. I sit and meditate with it while listening to your good fortune tone on the show. It feels so pleasant. It's like massaging my brain. The combination of the tone and the board is just wonderful. I've used a number of metaphysical tools in the past, and this is both the most straightforward to use as well as the easiest to handle in shape and weight and size. And I'm very, very happy with this investment in my spiritual growth. Thank you. And then she goes on to ask me something that a number of people have asked me over the past week. She says, regarding the good fortune tone, 
Uh, is there a way to find a longer version of the Good Fortune Tongue? Something, you know, that I could listen to for 10, 20, 30 minutes. And I'm telling people, yes, you're in luck. I have created uh, a longer version of the Good Fortune Tongue uh, up to 30 minutes long. And if you just sign up for my free e-newsletter, then you'll get a link there to what's called the five minute money miracle secret. And it's got not only this is all free, but it's got my uh, ebook there, an audio book and a bunch of tones. And there are different versions of the good fortune tone. And I love that description. Thank you so much, Miss Diaz. I love that description of saying it feels like it's massaging my brain. That seems very fitting, doesn't it? As we've been talking about resonance and the Philadelphia experiment. I've been scratching my brain for a while, so I think we can all use a nice brain massage. So as usual, I'm going to end the program with the good fortune tone. Hey, you know what? If you can, close your eyes. At very least, take a deep breath. Maybe if you have a glass of water, you put it next to the speaker. Charge it up with this tone. And then, you know, let it sit there for a minute or two and drink it and see if you feel any better. All right, here we go. Everybody loves this thing. It's becoming very popular. Enjoy the good fortune, Tom. That's it. For this edition of the show, follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit JoshuaPWarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the Curiosity Shop all at JoshuaPWarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember the golden rule. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. 